You know, the Bible remains the number one bestseller in the world every year. But it's not necessarily the most read book in the world. Now, I would assume that everyone here has at least one Bible in their home. And while we stress the importance of actually reading it and encourage everyone to do so, there are probably some adults here who have still never read it in its entirety. You know, contrary to the practice of some, the Bible wasn't given to us as a religious icon, nor to decorate our coffee tables. It was given to us to be read, and the entire Bible should be read, not just the passages that we like. For we, as we learn in our text today, all Scripture is inspired profitable, and adequate. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, we read all Scripture. Kids, take note. <laughs> all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. All Scripture is inspired by God. But what does that mean? Well, actually, we need to ask two questions here. What do we mean by all Scripture? And what do we mean when we say all Scripture is inspired by God? Let's begin with all Scripture. The word Translated scripture actually means a writing and was used by the Jews to refer to the Old Testament. Paul used a form of the word in verse 15 when he said Timothy had known the sacred writings from childhood. Now, obviously, it was the Old Testament that Timothy's mother and grandmother taught him. The New Testament hadn't yet been written. But when Paul says, all scripture in verse 16, he's apparently including other writings that were also to be considered inspired. And perhaps surprisingly to you, those writings included his own writings and the writings of the other apostles. That was confirmed by what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. The apostles were writing scripture, which would later be compiled into the New Testament. Peter even went so far as to refer to Paul's writings as Scripture. In 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, he said, And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, 
which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Paul's letters, Peter's letters, the apostles' writings were scripture. Now, without going into the issue of the canonization of Scripture, the process by which these writings were formally recognized as belonging in the Bible, I think we're safe to say that all Scripture includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament. All that's been handed down to us, bound between these covers, is Scripture. And all of it is intended to be read regularly. The Old and the New Testament. Both are inspired by God. And that brings us to our second question. What does it mean to be inspired by God? Well, that's a question that theologians have been debating since Paul wrote those words. The debate today, at least among conservatives, those who actually believe the Bible is God's word, centers around whether inspired means inerrant or infallible. This became a big issue back in the 70s. And the difference is still one that draws us to some debate. And it's been defined as such. Biblical inerrancy is a conservative, evangelical, doctrinal position that in its original form, the Bible is totally without error and free from all contradiction, including the historical and scientific parts. Inerrancy is distinguished from biblical infallibility or limited inerrancy, which holds that the Bible is inerrant on issues of faith and practice, but not history or science. Well, it's so defined, I come down on the side of total inerrancy. I believe the Bible is historically and scientifically accurate as long as it is properly interpreted. You know, when the Bible says the sun stood still or speaks of the four corners of the earth, it's not saying the earth is the center of the universe, or that it's flat. It's using figures of speech or using common terminology to describe the way things appear from man's perspective. But with that understanding, I believe in biblical inerrancy. What it says is true. It's historical. And when it says something is true, it's true, no matter what. Now, sometimes biblical inerrancy is taken maybe a little bit too far and taken to suggest that every word and punctuation mark found in a particular translation of the Bible is inspired by God. Well, common sense regarding the nature of translations as well as textual studies has proven that not to be the case. Minor copyist errors have occurred over the years. But by comparing manuscripts, we can identify them. So minor discrepancies are not a denial of inerrancy. God's word is inspired. The word means God breathed. The scriptures came from God. They came 
from the mouth of God. However, that does not mean every word was dictated by God. It does not mean that the prophets and apostles and sacred writers received text messages from God that they merely resent. Now, there were times when God did tell a prophet exactly what to write. He did so to Jeremiah, as recorded in Jeremiah 30, 1 and 2. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, the Lord God, Write all the words which I have spoken to you in a book. But there are other times when prophets were simply shown something, and then they recorded it. In Ezekiel 11, 24 and 25, we read, And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles in Chaldea. So the vision that I had seen left me. Then I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. And when John was given visions, he was simply told to write in a book what he saw. He recorded those visions in the book of Revelation, but he was apparently free to use his own words to communicate what he saw. And Luke even went so far as to tell us of the process he went through to write out his gospel. In Luke 1, 1 through 4, we read, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word have handed them down to us, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. He confessed how he wrote the Gospels. How he examined documents. How he talked to eyewitnesses. And then he put it together accurately. And I would suggest under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe anyone believes that Luke was less inspired than was John or Jeremiah. God used them all to communicate his will to man and to record it for future generations. A proper understanding of Scripture, therefore, leaves room for individual style and the linguistic talents of those God chose to use. You know, God did not send his word to us on golden tablets delivered by an angel. He used men to communicate his will to other men using the language of men. He found men who would listen to him and then empowered through his spirit they were able to faithfully communicate his message to others. The scriptures, therefore, are a product of men moved by the Holy Spirit to record God's word, as Peter makes clear in 2 Peter 1.21, where he says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I think that's an excellent definition of inspiration. God speaking through men who are moved, or as the NIV puts it, carried away by the Holy Spirit. And as Paul said in our text, all scripture is inspired by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Okay, we've discussed inspiration. Hopefully that cleared up some possible misunderstanding. But you know, the primary focus of our text is not on the inspiration of Scripture, but on its usefulness. The word profitable means useful. God's word is useful if we use it, if we know it, and if we apply it to our lives. And it's useful, profitable, because it is true. Nothing will ever be discovered that will undermine the truthfulness of God's word. You don't have to pretend that you didn't hear something. You may have heard some things that weren't true, but nothing that's ever discovered or will be discovered will counteract the truthfulness of God's word. Now, our understanding of a particular text may need to be adjusted in light of newly discovered truth in God's creation, but what God said, what the men moved by the Holy Spirit recorded, is absolutely true. So it is profitable for teaching. We can teach it with absolute confidence, and we must teach it. It wasn't given to us to keep to ourselves. It was given to us to share with others. And it was given to us to share with the next generation. You know, God's revelation of himself and his will was completed nearly 2,000 years ago. But that revelation must be passed on from generation to generation. And the primary responsibility of passing it on to future generations does not lie with preachers. It lies with parents. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, we read, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you talk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You not only have a responsibility to study God's word, you have a responsibility to teach it. Now, you may not teach it formally in a classroom, but you do have to teach it to your children and your grandchildren in your home. And since it's from God, it's obviously the most important thing you can teach your children. You know, there are lots of things we want to give to our children. There is nothing more important than God's Word. Nothing. God's word is profitable. It's definitely worth teaching because it is the truth about God and man. But it's intended to do more than simply transmit information. We're not just trying to give our kids information. It's profitable, Paul says, for reproof. That sounds a little negative. But God's word reproves us. By revealing our sinfulness, it confronts us with our true condition. Through it, we discover that we are not all God intended us to be or to do. And when we see it, we want to do something about it. 
So God's word isn't just profitable for reproof. It's also profitable for correction. It tells us how to correct our mistakes and how to be restored. The word for correct means to be made right, to be restored to an upright position. God's word tells us what we need to do to be made right with God and man. And then it goes even further. It's profitable for training in righteousness. The focus is again on parents because the word for training primarily means to train children. God's word is a training manual for godly life. It's a practical guidebook for living the good life, the right life, the life we were created to live. Obviously, therefore, a book we should be reading regularly for ourselves and for the sake of those we care about. God's word is truth. We come to understand who we are and why we're here in God's word. We also discover why we have problems. We learn of sin and our alienation from God, how things are not the way God intended, that sin has invaded our lives and our world. But then we learn what needs to be done to be made right with God and man. We learn how to address the problems that plague mankind. We learn how to live a righteous, a godly life. God's word is profitable. It's worth the effort to read it and to teach it and to share it. It's not just a religious document. It's a guidebook for life. You've got to be reading it. And then Paul says it's adequate. That's kind of neat. He says all scripture is inspired by God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The scriptures tell us everything we need to know to become men and women of God. Now, other books may enrich our lives, and this is not saying we should never read anything but the Bible. But if we only had one book, one source of information, the Bible could adequately prepare us for life here and the hereafter. The scriptures given to us by God are adequate. There is no need for anything else. No need for further revelations or new teachings. Everything we absolutely must know is found in God's Word. Through God's Word, we learn how to prepare for eternity. Verse 15 made it clear that it is through the sacred writings that we gain the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus. The Bible points us to the Savior, the Messiah, the one who came to save us. It prepares us 
for eternity. And through them we learn not only what we need for eternal life, but for life here and now. Through the scriptures we can be made adequate, complete, perfect for the tasks God has given to us. Through them we can be equipped, Paul says, for every good work. Through the scriptures, we can be equipped for every good work. Well, maybe that's why some hesitate to read it. They don't want to know what they ought to be doing. <laughs> My grandma used to say, the more I know, the more I have to do, and I'm an idiot. Now, Grandma was no idiot, but if claiming to be one would get her off the hook, she wasn't above declaring herself to be one. Well, I don't think God's going to let us off the hook that easily. He knows our capabilities, and he knows that we have said we want him to be the Lord of our life. So we better make the effort to find out what it is he wants us to do. And we better equip ourselves for the good work he's commissioned us to do. That means we have got to be in his word. We've got to know what he has said. Everything he has said. For 45 years, I've taken very seriously the task of teaching you God's word. But if all you know of God's word is what you hear a half hour a week, you don't know it. I'm sorry. I'm not that good. You've got to be in it yourself. You've got to be reading it. What I do on Sunday morning should stimulate you to want to dig deeper. That's why I give you outlines. That's why I print out the text. I want you to study it. This is not just a religious exercise on Sunday morning to feel good. This is training in righteousness and equipping you to get into the Word on your own so you can learn it and live it and share it. If you're not in the Word, you need to be. You need to be. If you're not reading the Bible on a regular basis, if you have never read it from cover to cover, you've got to do that. Even the parts that seem repetitious and that you don't understand, read them anyway. You've got to be in the Word. Now, I've done all I know to encourage you to do that. Last year, I even made an offer. I'd buy you a Bible, a special chronological Bible, if you'd read it with me. And I gave it out to you. And many accepted the challenge. And some have maintained it, and some have had a little struggle with it. Sometimes our intentions aren't always where we end up. But don't give up. Keep reading. Keep reading. And if you want to join me in another adventure in reading the Bible through in a year, I've got a new plan I found. Someone asked me, I don't know, a month or so ago, what are we going to do next, week, next year? And I thought, wow, I've got to figure out something. I've done the chronological Bible in two different translations over the last two years, and I really like the chronological Bible. I think it's amazing. I'm going to try something different this next year. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. <laughs> but I will be telling you about it. And if you want one, oh, boy. It's a little more expensive than last year's. <laughs> 
Maybe I'll give you a 50-50 on it, okay? <laughs> I really want you to be in God's word. It's essential. It's essential. Because all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. If you are serious about living for Jesus, you've got to be in his word.